Welcome to the Wicked Good Momcast, a podcast for Boston moms by Boston moms, a space to hear stories from real moms, to celebrate the beauty of motherhood and to normalize its challenges. Motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You are a wicked good mom. And now here are your Wicked Good Momcast host, Shannon and Megan. This season of the Wicked Good Momcast is brought to you by our partners at Boston Ballet School, the only ballet school in New England affiliated with Boston Ballet, a world-renowned ballet company whose internationally acclaimed repertoire ranges from classical to Balanchine masterworks to premieres by today's finest choreographers. Boston Ballet School believes ballet is for everyone and is dedicated to providing an inclusive environment with classes for all ages, abilities, and household incomes. Visit bostonballet.org backslash education to enroll your child this fall. Our guest today currently works in several capacities. Ashley Mitchell is a stay-at-home mom to her son, Zion, director of the Movement School at Down Under Yoga, where she also teaches strength classes, consults in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and most proudly runs the Courage Campaign, a nonprofit founded with her husband, Mark. We are so thankful for Ashley taking the time to talk to us about wellness through social justice today. Ashley Mitchell is a multi-passionate creator and new mom. Over the course of her life, she has had the unique opportunity to experience a myriad of physical and mental training philosophies, along with real-world challenges that served as critical catalysts for introspection and growth. And she's consistently shown the ability to dissect self-limiting beliefs and trauma to summon grit, fortitude, and creativity. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you today? Hi, everybody. I am... Mm, I'm doing <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, I yeah. want to be honest right off the bat. I'm I'm doing great. It's not been the best week mm. for my body. Yeah. So I'm kind of like ready for the weekend um, mm-hmm. so I can relax a little bit. But like spiritually and energetically, I'm doing great. Physically, I'm like freaking like ready for a nap, like a long nap, like a three day nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're you? recording this on a Friday and I'm, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm kind of ready. I feel like it's very rare bit. that all things are, are aligned. Like there seems to always be one yes. piece that like we need to rest, right? Which we're going to talk a little bit about here because this is a wellness episode. Um, I hope that you get the rest that you so deserve this weekend and that you can give your body the reprieve that it needs. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I certainly will. I've been known to throw a tantrum or two mm-hmm. to make sure I get what I need. So, That's you know, good. it'll yeah. work out. <laughs> There's power in that. Yeah. So I love following you on social media. I follow your Instagram and you have kind of found this niche where you're um, working together motherhood and wellness and anti-racism, like all in one package and it's so incredible. It's great work. And I'm just wondering, Thank can you. you kind of talk to us about that work that you're doing and, and maybe even the why behind it all? Yeah, that's a really um, wonderful question. And it's going to be meandering a little bit. Um, but I want to sort of give a disclaimer for anyone who's listening, especially um, especially white women. Mm-hmm. What I say might be uncomfortable to hear or to experience. And I ask that you stay with me, right? That you Mm -hmm. don't shut off the podcast. If you have to take a pause to like collect yourself or take a breath, fine. 
but um, you know, part of the problem is that we're not willing to hear each other or we're not willing to be able to hold all kinds of different experiences. And so mm-hmm. um, I am very loving and very funny, but I'm also pretty direct. And so, <laughs> so I just want to give that disclaimer just in case anyone is lift, listening and it, and what I say makes them uncomfortable. Um, so interestingly enough, I had no, um, interest in doing any activism work ever. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in New Jersey. Um, my family is super diverse. Uh, my mom is French and black and Irish and Dutch and was like literally born in France. My dad is black. My family has all kinds of shades of people. My grandmom is a white lady with blue eyes and brown hair. And then I look the way I do. And so like, I never even sort of thought that um, racism looks the way it actually does. I just had no idea. I grew up next door to a police officer. Like I truly had no clue of racism or even my own history as a black woman, because I don't think my parents were trying to protect me from anything. I just think that we were living in the now and the now was Mm -hmm. lots of diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even amongst their friends. And so, you know, I never, um, I never learned to speak up. I never learned to advocate. I have always had lots of opinions and lots of thoughts and all that kind of stuff, but I just, um, I didn't want to rock the boat. And in a lot of spaces, I was the only black girl um, Mm -hmm. growing up and and even into adulthood. And so you kind of, you kind of like, you want to keep your friends. You want to preserve this image that people have created of you. um, Even if you're like their only black friend and the sort of inappropriate jokes and things that come along with that. And what happened was when I got into fitness, I, I just, it was a a sort of different level. By this time I had moved to New England, which was already a culture shock for me. And, um, just the boutique fitness scene and the kinds of like, um, sort of entitlement, wealth, Mm -hmm. um, fat phobia, just like I had never experienced anything like that before. And so I was experiencing that for the first time. I was a lot of times the only black girl in the spaces I was in. Um, and then people were just, their behavior was just like really problematic at times. The way they would touch me, the way they would talk to me, the way that would, they would comment on my body or my hair. And I, so I just, things just started to, it just got to a point where I couldn't be silent anymore. Um mm-hmm. And then 2020 happened and we were all there, right? And particularly, you know, the three murders that stand out to all of us are Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point where I was um, fed up with the industry and then sort of like somatically in my own body, just so unsettled, so angry, so afraid, um, literally afraid to go to sleep at night because like a black woman had been murdered while she was sleeping. Like that is, that's insane. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just got to a point where I, I had to speak up and mm-hmm. I had built enough trust in this community that people were willing to go on that journey with me. And then, as you know, motherhood just takes everything to the next level because now there's a life that you're protecting. And so it just sort of 
continued to evolve, you know, once Zion came into the picture. And so now it's just, it's just what you see, right? It's, it's all of it. Yeah. It's everything. Yeah. I think that's, that's very powerful. And I think that a lot of women in their own ways have sort of this transformative thing that happens as they age. And certainly in motherhood where you kind of find like, oh, this is the space that maybe I didn't know that I was called to. Um, but it's a space for me. Like my voice is, it really does matter here. I want to ask Ashley. So obviously, you know, you've already sort of mentioned 2020 and the major and newsworthy events that happened then, but it's been three, over three years now. Um, I'm wondering in that time, how you feel that allyship has changed or what you're seeing now? Because I think a lot of things like, it's almost like, being an ally or talking openly about this, especially on social media was like a sexy topic. Then is that still something that you find people are actively engaging in or willing to engage in those types of conversations as allies? You know, I, yes and no. I think that, um, Mm. for some folks, as soon as they were able to get back onto an airplane or go out to dinner or whatever, they were, Mm-hmm. They were, they were gone. Yeah, they were, it. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. it was of the moment for them. Um, and mm-hmm. that's sort of a testament to when you don't live in a body that's marginalized in that way, right. Especially mm-hmm. racially, um, yeah. you don't have to, like, you can just move on. Right. Yeah, but the privileges to close the door. Right. Right. 100%. And to sort of preserve whatever narrative you hold mm-hmm. at that time. And so, there was certainly a mass exodus of folks um, once things started to open up. Um, but there's also been, in, in my community online anyway, um, a really wonderful group of folks who have stayed engaged, who have like mm-hmm. found ways. Obviously, everyone's really busy. Everyone's overwhelmed. Everyone's hustling. Everyone's sure. all the things, right? I get it. But there have been people who have found sort of their lane of mm-hmm. consistent engagement, consistent action. There are a lot of folks who I know who like phone bank, who go to protests, who um, donate, who, you know, just like take really solid and consistent action. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I'm posting, I one, I'm always posting for them because we're always in the work together and like, you know, it feels, it feels like true solidarity. And the other reason why I share some of the things I share is because like, I'm trying to pull those other folks back into it and say, Mm -hmm. like, you can't, especially if you're um, a part of my community, you can't love me. You can't see me. You can't value me unless you're also valuing the things that, you know, help me to thrive and help people (laughs) like me to thrive. Yeah. I can't be just performative. Absolutely not. Yeah. And it's it's so easy to just repost something, mm-hmm. just look, make it look like you're an ally, right? Um, mm-hmm. And move on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm wondering too, um, so I kind of formed this conversation for maybe the person who already is kind of into their allyship work, but for someone who maybe isn't, maybe they're just starting this journey Can you explain to us maybe what does true allyship look like? What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. So allyship is when you are standing in solidarity with showing support for um, a group of folks who have been 
historically marginalized. So this can definitely look like Black people, can look like Asian people, can look like people in the LGBTQ plus community, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Generally speaking, um, it's usually not white people. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. it can't be white people. Obviously, um, you know, there has been a whole thing around like women and women's rights. And so I'm not being exclusionary. Sure. But it's not apples to apples, right? Yeah. And so um, as an ally, you want to think of it as an action instead of a label. And the mm-hmm. call to action from communities of marginalized folks is to not actually call yourself an ally, to actually just be in the work and mm-hmm. let us let you know if you're an ally or let us let you know that if you're um, engaging in a way that's helpful. Um, allyship is not about being the loudest voice in the room. Um, allyship is not about taking the lead. Um, it's truly in solidarity with, so it's like a, um, if you think about, you know, pictures of protests and folks are like linking arms, right? It's like that energy. Um, Mm. it's not, uh, you know, you're sort of out in front and pointing fingers at what everybody else is doing wrong. And then also saying like all the things that you've done really well, it's, it's, it's not that energy. Um, it's also building trust, building mm-hmm. relationships. And you also have to be in relationship with the people that you are advocating for. Right. So how can I advocate for trans people? And I don't know any, right. Yeah. How can you mm-hmm. advocate for black people and you have not a single black friend? It's just yeah. like, So for the folks just getting started, I would say, um, you're not asking me for advice, but I'm going to give you some anyway. Oh, go for it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A great place to start is the sort of like educational piece, right? Mm -hmm. Your podcasts, your books, your documentaries is getting like a baseline. Mm -hmm. Um, And then moving into where are you spending your money? How are you voting? Right. Like things like that, like systemic things. And then you really want to take that outward to when you're standing in line at the grocery store, who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, when you take your kid to camp, are you talking to the black mom or are you talking to the single dad? Or are you just sort of standing around with the same five group of people that you know from your neighborhood? Right. It's Mm -hmm. like um, it's there are so many ways to be an ally. And and also you have to remember those three pieces of like personal, interpersonal, and structural. Mm-hmm. Something you said, it made me think of, um, so I, all through like junior high and high school, I was in choir. And something that our directors would say all the time is part, the biggest, like a big part of singing in a choir is also listening. And mm-hmm. so you're not in the choir to be the loudest voice. And if you can't hear the others around you, you're too loud and you need to back off and make sure you can hear the people on either side of you and behind you. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, that was like the image that I got yeah. when you were talking. Yeah. That makes, one of the things, that makes so much sense. One of the things that I kept hearing and one of the, I, that I've sort of internalized myself is that like allyship is not, we already said it's not performative, but it's not about like what it's doing for me. So yes. like as the no. ally, like I don't get to put on the label of ally. Like it's not about me. Yeah. It's about what I'm like Shannon saying, how I'm listening and how I'm supporting people in my community who might not be just like me. So I think that's an important delineation too, where you're saying like, if you are in it for yourself, you are not in it. 
That's not the point. Yeah. Literally Um, that. (laughs) I don't know. I think that, so this is, we have very open conversations on the Wicked Good Mom cast and in Boston Moms in general. We've worked really hard to diversify the content, to diversify who we're speaking to and the stories that we're telling, all with a lot of work to still be done. Um, But I would love it if you would share with Shannon and I what you believe that Black moms need from other moms right now. Ah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I will say, as someone who did not grow up in New England in general, but certainly not in Massachusetts, yeah. um, you know, it's not the warmest place. Yeah, it's not it's the not. easiest place to make friends. No. It's, there are so many times where I'm somewhere with Zion and moms like don't even speak. Like they don't say hello. They don't. Yeah. Even if our kids are like near each other, it's really hard um, just to sort of access people's kindness and basic humanity sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so, so like if other moms could like just be nice, like there we go, that's great, start. great yeah. starting <laughs> point. Yeah, you know, like look up from your phone, yeah, mm-hmm. pull your head out of your ass, and like speak yep. to the people around you. Um, you know, I'm, we're again, we're all tired. We're all overwhelmed. We all just need a second to ourselves, but we all also need community and we need each other. Yeah. So, you know, you especially have to mom to all. mom. Yeah. Especially, especially mom, mom to mom. mom. Yeah. Um, black moms also, you know, and of course, like I can't speak for all black moms. So sure. Yeah. Disclaimer. But, um, we also don't want our, um, language or our tone policed. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. So if something doesn't feel comfortable for you as a non-black mom, like that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just yeah. means that that's not, you know, maybe culturally specific to you. It might not be yeah. how you grew up, but it doesn't mean that you have to shut someone else down or shut someone else out because it's unfamiliar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and black moms also need people to understand like the sort of dangers of both becoming a mom right? Mm-hmm. Like literally yeah. black maternal health yep. and then raising black children. It's not going to be our, our rules for our kids when they leave the house are not going to be the same. Yeah. And it's very nuanced for of sure. that. Yeah. It just yeah. like, so it's, it's a human piece, but it's also like an education piece, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Of like just knowing what's going on and, um, and sort of, uh, being aware of, maybe how you, um, just how you're interacting with other people. I think, yeah. And listening to stories from black moms too. So like, cause that is part of it. It's actively listening. So I'll share a story. Um, Tracy Skelly is one of our contributors on the Boston moms writing team. She owns little cocoa bean company. She is a brilliant human being. Oh my God. I could talk about her forever. She's incredible. She and I have a similar birth story. So we both had preeclampsia. She's written about this on bostonmoms.com and black maternal uh, mortality rates. And her experience in a area hospital is so different than the experience that I had. I could literally cry like thinking about it because it's just so messed up to me. And I had no idea. Like I had no idea. That my that my mom counterparts who I you know I look at Tracy and I'm like in, I'm always in awe of her and I'm like the fact that she went through 
a very similar medical diagnosis as I did and nearly didn't make it out of it is like so upsetting to me. That's something I would have never known if I didn't listen to Tracy's story. And that's one tiny, tiny example of something that sort of like humbled me as a human being in my own like learning journey. But how can we know those things if we don't actively listen or actively ask? Um, So I like, I like that you mentioned that like the nuances about being a black mom, I can, I don't know because I'm a white mom. And I think I would encourage our listeners um, to find stories to listen to and seek that out um, for anybody who's different to them. Um, Because I think that's the only way that you can truly empathize and also make things different um, for your kids and their peers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's also just like, really interesting from a wellness perspective, Mm -hmm. um, given the (laughs) sort of snapback culture after birth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are so many black moms who were just like, just so happy that they fucking survived the birth, like in general. And it's like, don't tell me, you know, that I need to then jump into this or do that. So messed up. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to have it all. I don't want to do it all. I don't need to be three pounds right after I give birth. Like just also that nuance too of like my recovery was not the same as like Becky down the road because like I had to process. I also had preeclampsia and an emergency Ah. C-section and I had to also just process that grief and that trauma, what that meant for me and, and what, you know, just all of those things. And so like my focus was also very different for a very mm-hmm. long time. Um, but the messages that I was getting online sometimes are just like, well, you just need to do this. And if you just self-care and blah, 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 and eat your broccoli. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no room for my experience. There's no room for moms like me, um, which mm-hmm. is untrue, but that's just sometimes how it feels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It could absolutely feel that way. I think that like society has sort of made it so that that experience is somehow small or made small or there's not a platform for it. So, um, yeah, it's all it's a very interesting. I'm so sorry that you had that experience. It is something that there's a pretty major trauma uh, attached to a big T trauma, Shannon, I like mm-hmm. to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that takes time, right? We're healing, yeah. not healed. So, right. Yeah. Well, switching gears a little bit, um, you know, we always say it starts at home. And mm-hmm. so for, uh, you know, those of us with, with kids at home, um, what work do we need to be doing with our kids at home? In terms of like anti-racism yeah. or like yeah. just in Sorry. general? <laughs> Sorry, like, no, because, no. Girl, I could like, I have ideas for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, I love that. Can, yeah, just around episode, the yeah. social justice, anti-racism yeah. piece or, or raising future allies. Yeah. Um, you know, it was so interesting. Like I was doing a workshop yesterday on, on allyship and it was for a tech company. And I opened the workshop with, you know, who needs allies? And people mm. gave like, you know, the answers that you would expect. And I said, okay, do white men need allies? And someone immediately came off of mute and said, no. And then someone else came off of mute and said, yes, because of toxic masculinity. And then a mom came off of mute and she said, you know, my, you know, blue eyed son is going to grow up and just be like surrounded by negativity because of what he looks like outwardly. 
um, and what we've like the sort of um, the way we've cast white males, just like a sort of general um, that like all white men are just awful. Right. Sure. And I was like, that's so interesting because here I am on the other side of the table and somebody's going to look at my son and judge him just from his outward appearance. And I just thought that it was like, if we could have conversations like that, of like, we're literally talking mm-hmm. about the same thing, right? With different historical contexts. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you want your kid to be a good person, to be a kind person, to have, you know, just like, you know, to be educated, to fall in love, to, right? Like we all kind of want the same things. And so I think yeah. that at home, you can't be afraid to, um, you can't be afraid to talk to your kids, to have conversations. You can't be afraid to mess up. You can't be afraid to watch different kinds of movies and documentaries. Mm-hmm. You can't uh, be afraid to introduce them to different kinds of cultures. Um, most towns will have like cultural parades or things in the summers, right? Like, why couldn't you be a white person and go to like a Caribbean day yeah. uh, like event? Why couldn't you go and taste the food and buy books and then have a conversation about it? Um, you know, why, why does it have to be um, an event, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to talk about social justice? You should absolutely age appropriately, of course, be able to talk about what's happening in the news, mm-hmm. um, be able to talk about, you know, pronouns and gender. You should, you should, um, you should just, you got to dive in. You can't have the problem with, with sort of where we are now. Uh, you know, I'm a geriatric millennial. It's like, no one said anything. There's so many people who are just like, oh my God, I never learned that. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. And our parents did the best they can. I'm not casting blame, but now we know better. So we have to figure out ways. And there are tons of resources online. There are books. There are people who do this work, like, you know, instructors who will walk you through how to talk to your kid about race. There's no excuse anymore. There's no excuse. (laughs) You just got to do it. You just got to do it. And you have to be honest about the fact that you're learning as well. And this is not for just white parents, right? Me as a black mom, there are other cultures I don't know about. My kid is half Portuguese. I know nothing about Portuguese people. That's an <laughs> yeah. opportunity yeah. for yeah. me, right? So it's it's an everybody thing. It's not just a white moms versus right everybody else kind of thing. We're yeah. all needing to be in this work together. Yeah, I think one of the things too is like if you, this is how I feel about parenthood in general, but like if you make something feel taboo, or make yeah. it feel like it's a big deal, then it becomes a big deal to your kids or it becomes this taboo thing to your kids. Or like if you just like speak the truth to them and share and bring them places and expose them to things, like it turns out the kids really don't give a shit. Like they they'll they really they consume it. They're little sponges. And like I don't I don't know who like to attribute this quote to, but like there's that quote that says like children are not born hateful. They're not yeah. born they're like ig- ignorant. Right. Yeah, exactly. They are taught that way. And a lot of times it's because people are afraid to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or whatever. But like, if you just try, we all make mistakes. Um, not, I don't think that anybody is doing it perfectly. Um, yeah. But if you just don't make it a big yeah. deal, then it's not a big deal. You just make it a part of like your vernacular and your family ecosystem. That's it. Um, That's it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think there's do that with food as well, which is, you know, like for anyone listening, you like, again, you didn't ask for my advice, but like, (laughs) like, don't make all sugar and all carbs and things like bad for your kid. Like just let them wake up from a nap and eat an ice cream. It's not a big deal. It's just right. Right. We are casting, we're casting that as like, uh, demonizing it. We're not, it's not actually that way. It's how we feel about it. And these analogies are important because it's kind of all the same energy, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. like, no, you can't have an ice cream for breakfast or Mm -hmm. don't ask that disabled person why they're disabled. Like it comes from the same place of like, this is not what we do. This is bad, right? We just don't talk about it. Um, And that that's just over the, it might be comfortable for you in the moment, right? But over the long run, it's just, it's 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 really unhelpful. It's undoing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I sort of in going on that, I think in parenthood, I almost I feel a huge amount of responsibility to do to be a good mom. Like that's something that I think about yeah, a lot. And 100%. like how I'm raised how I'm raising these people to be good people. Like we in our family we say one of the, it's actually kind of I don't know, maybe it's ridiculous, but we say like be a good citizen. Like so at school, you're a good citizen. You're a good citizen in our neighborhood. You're a good citizen in our community. That's like what I could ever hope for is for you to be a good citizen. I'm wondering if you have, if you could like wrap up this conversation for us, knowing that a lot of the people who are listening are probably moms. Um, what is like the message that you want them to take away from this conversation? Well, I should have prepared an answer for that one. <laughs> How about what is one message? Like maybe not the all-encompassing message, but I mean, one message. <laughs> okay. Um, number one, I think you have to, you have to, like I'm saying this emphatically, um, you have to be okay with making mistakes. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're talking about anti-racism, parenting in general, whatever, Mm -hmm. you have to be okay with it because, and I'm going like, I'm going on a tangent, but I promise it matters. Um, I'm very interested in sort of nervous system regulation, right? I'm a, I'm a Mm -hmm. wellness person. Like, so The thing is, when you become dysregulated, you lose your executive functioning, you lose Mm -hmm. your executive functioning, and you're losing all of your logic and reason and ability to be in relationship with people. Um, And that's when you start to cause harm because you're literally in fight or flight, right? So if you can start to, you know, become comfortable with not being able to do it all, have it all, make it look good on Instagram, have every right answer, right? If you can detach yourself from this idea of perfection and start to sort of mine through where you got that from, why it's important to you in the first place, mm-hmm. then I think you're going to be in a much more peaceful place. And I think that actually helps you to become a good citizen because you're mm-hmm. able to, um, you're, you're, we can feel those people who have inner peace who have good energy, who don't have perfect lives, but there is somehow walking through the world with this sort of like aura of um, trust in themselves. And I feel like that's, that's where I hope a lot of us can get to of mm. that place. I love that. <laughs> that <was laughs> so Shannon, Shannon that write that good. one down. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, I'm glad. Yeah. So you were doing again, so much work. I know you have, you're a yoga instructor. 
Uh, you and your husband run a nonprofit. Yeah. You're, you know, speaking to corporations. You're a How mom. can we, yeah, you're a mom. How can we continue to learn and grow and connect with you even after the show? Thank you for asking. Yes. Yeah, so you can um, certainly follow on socials. Black Girl Magic Mama is my handle. Um, the Courage Campaign is our nonprofit. We do uh, wellness with kids that are, or students, I should say, K through 12. Um, and that looks like anything from yoga to journaling to just having like meaningful conversations and stuff like that. Um, you can absolutely hire me to do DEI for your um, company. Um, I love to talk about sort of um, all things allyship and what that journey looks like and action steps you can take and um, those sorts of things. Um, and yeah, you can also take class with me at Down Under or uh, Seaport Sweat on Wednesday nights. There's so many places you can find me, y'all. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, or you can say. find me at Target or yeah. at Wegmans, like any of the things. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have clones? Like, how are you in all these spaces? <laughs> I honestly, like, I just, um, I have a wonderful partner. Mm-hmm. Um, I have wonderful friends. Um, we have childcare now. We have someone helping with cleaning. We use like, you know, Instacart and things like nobody does it on their own. Like, yeah, people, amen. People yep. are lying. If everyone says they're doing it all, they're lying. Yep. <laughs> you just can't. You yep. need support. I, I always say that if she looks like she's doing it all, she has help. Or she, she has, has help. help. Yeah. Yeah. Or he has help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listeners, you can find all of Ashley's contact information located in the show notes on bostonmoms.com. Ashley, we always close the show with the exact same question. It's become sort of like a tagline for the Wicked Good Mom cast. And the question is, what are you loving about raising a family in greater Boston right now? I am loving. Um, I don't know. Can I give like a shout out to? Oh, yeah. Go for uh, it. Okay. I'm loving the resources from Community Kangaroo. Oh, yeah. They're doing Uh, a great job. So because my son's only two, right? And I don't know, like, how to mom a (laughs) two-year-old. So I don't know how to mom a two-year-old, so. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm loving are all of the resources to, like, splash pads and farms and things that we can do outside, things that we can do, like, the three of us together, places where we could bring the dog. Like, I'm just loving... Um, when we have good weather, when we can get outside mm. and community kangaroo for literally giving me all of the ideas. Yeah. They're doing an awesome that. job. That shout out. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a really good one. They're, they're so great. Yeah. Ashley, thank you so much for being with us thank today you. for thank teaching for us me. something. Um, again, I just can't emphasize enough. It's very important work that you're doing and I appreciate your heart behind it and your kindness and your willingness to do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you as always for tuning in. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast now and share this Wicked Good Wellness series with your friends. Remember, you are a Wicked Good Mom. Boston Moms is grateful to this season's Wicked Good Momcast sponsor, Boston Ballet School, a leading dance educator empowering students to develop artistically, forge lifelong friendships, and most importantly, have fun. Visit bostonballet.org backslash education to learn more about the range of classes offered in our Boston and Newton studios.